Yeah? Okay. Welcome, everyone. Do you like that I added our logo, Stephanie? It looks so good. So good. There, if there's music playing, though, we can't hear it. Oh. <laughs> I just can't sit by myself over here. I love it, though. I think this is a great intro to episode Great two. intro. Hold on. Wait, wait, wait. Here we go. Let's try this again. It was, a it was a faint sound. Very faint. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And take two. Oh, we got to start at the beginning. We got to hear it now. Okay, there we go. <laughs> we got to always start at the beginning before the... Welcome, welcome. We welcome. are on episode two of The Devoted Dish. We are excited we made to it. be here. Laura, we did not get canceled after the first one. They let us come back for another one. It's really surprising. <laughs> <laughs> after that fumble, though, at the beginning, I don't know, this might be it. <laughs> this is the end of our podcast uh, <laughs> life. Um, oh, it, was a good, it was a good go. It was a good run. <laughs> it was a good go. <laughs> Uh, real quick, just quick housekeeping. Uh, if you go to devoted.com and you go to the burgers section of devoted.com, there's this awesome learning center. So in case you didn't make it or listen to the recap of the first Devoted Dish episode, good news, you can get it. So you didn't even get to this on your phone. Just go to devoted.com, go to the burger section. Go down to the learning center and then listen into the devoted dish. And all you got to do is click on this horrible first picture of me. <laughs> it's so great. I love it. I cannot wait to see what the like the main screen image of this round is. Yeah. Um, it'll probably be me laughing again because I hope so. I don't know how to share my sound. <laughs> Um, so yeah, you can just click on this and you can listen to it on your phone on the go. You don't got to watch us. You can just listen. Um, or if you want to join our live ones, we always add them here as well. And there's this quick little link you can just click on and you can join the dish and dish with us live, which means you also get to ask questions if you want. Yes. You can throw a question in the chat and yes. we might answer it. <laughs> Hopefully it's related to what we're talking about. That's the goal. Uh, but I'll stop sharing because what are we talking about today, Stephanie? Ooh, Laura, we are dishing it up today because what, we're halfway through AEP now? Yeah. Yeah. Right? right. Halfway? A little over halfway. A little over, right? Yeah. So, so wild. So we are dishing today on best practices when it comes to selling during AEP. And so again, the goal here for the Devoted Dish is just to provide relevant information to brokers. And so take us as you go. Um, obviously you can listen to us. If you are driving, please put your phone down and just listen. You don't wanna, you don't have to look at us while this takes place. We'll make sure you stay <laughs> nice and safe. You can Bluetooth, Bluetooth, Bluetooth that, that baby in. <laughs> Exactly. So today we have another special guest. So obviously I'm Stephanie, Laura, you're here. We are the hosts and we have our friend, Jimmy, who is joining us today. And we will let you do a little bit of an intro. And then I think Laura's got a little bit of bio and history on you. So we're going to dig into some things. 
Yeah. So welcome, Jimmy. So <laughs> hey, hey, it's it's nice to be here with you, ladies. By the way, I'm not as cool as you, ladies. You think that your coolness might rub off on me since I'm joining the podcast? That'd be let amazing. Your, let your kids decide afterwards. Be like, am I a little bit cooler now? <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> Um, yeah, we're super excited to have Jimmy and we chose, uh, Jimmy to dish about this topic with us because he's got a really fantastic background in Medicare and in Medicare Advantage. Um, and he's been in the industry for, was it 12 years, Jimmy? 16 years. I, I had it written down, but I lost it. 16, 16, 16. years. I was close. I, well, I got it. Like I just, I had to go to number two on that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> if it was multiple choice, I would have gotten it. Uh, so 16 years he's been in the Medicare Advantage world, started out as a sales agent, um, and then he moved into being a sales manager, uh, then a sales director, and now is our regional vice president of sales for the Florida market. But again, has experience in uh, in this really from a national standpoint. Um, uh, so, you know, we really are excited to have Jimmy here. I've had uh, the pleasure to, and the honor of having some trainings with Jimmy, and he really just has so much knowledge and so much information about sales um, and selling specifically in the Medicare Advantage arena, which isn't an easy thing, right? Like I would say Medicare Advantage is a pretty tough market because you're really locked into the um, individuals that you're selling to. And then you're also really locked into these rules and regulations. So yeah, we're just going to like totally pick the brain and make you a little bit cooler maybe along the way. And no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I hope so. I hope so. That's <laughs> um, amazing. <laughs> Gosh, you guys. Your dog wants to join us. My dog also. What are you doing, Luna? (laughs) She also wants to be cool, evidently. Yeah. She's like, me too. Me too. Um, But Jimmy, did I miss anything on your bio? Anything else you want to throw in there? No. I mean, it it sounds pretty good. Yeah. Started 16 years ago. Started with a new MA plan back then called Citrus Healthcare. It was my first foray into the industry. Um, I was in real estate. My back, back background is real estate and mortgages. And uh, when I first came into Medicare, it was a completely different environment than it is today. Uh, learned a lot that year and learned a lot throughout the years and uh, just just been phenomenal business to be part of and to grow in. Um, that first year, Laura, I did over 500 sales. Uh, that first year, I was hungry. I was motivated, had some kids to feed and a family to take <laughs> care of. So uh, really broke into the industry, learned a lot. And a lot of that has, uh, you know, been with me till this day. Yeah. 500 sales. I mean, that's, that's that, if that's not a reason in itself to learn more about your best practices, I don't know what is. Um, so I really think that's so impressive. And I, and I think you had said even years after that, you know, hundreds of sales, uh, that you were doing during AEP. And so I think that's just super impressive. And I think it is something that we can all learn from. Um, and I love that hunger piece, you know, it is, you know, that is part of it, right. It's just, being uh, hungry and ready to get out there and and um, find find what you can. Yeah, for sure. You have to be motivated. You have to have a plan and a strategy. If you don't, you're you're going to fail. Um, but if you have the right motivation, the right plan, the right strategy, you're going to learn a lot along the way, and you're going to find out what works. And and if you do more of that, you're going to succeed. 
So Jimmy, I think on that point, that's a really great place to start is you're talking about plans, you're talking about goals, strategies. Talk to us a little bit about what that process looks like and how can brokers set themselves up for success with establishing those goals? What is a good goal to even start with when they go into an AEP? Yeah, that's a great question. Everyone is in a different situation. So, you know, based upon their circumstances, based upon how long they've been in the business, they need to assess really what they can actually do for AEP. You know, and I would suggest if you're brand, brand new to the industry and just getting started, a goal of 50 applications for AEP is reasonable, it's conservative, and it's achievable, especially if you're a broker. Uh, after you set that goal, whether it's 50 or 100, you have to really think through, how do I accomplish this? If you're new to the industry, you want to think through whether or not you have right, some money to invest. If you don't have money, then, then you, know, you have to think through, okay, without money, how can I really get this engine and this product moving? The best way to do that is actually to get into the community, into a grassroots environment where you uh, meet and talk with seniors. And I always tell brokers, wherever seniors eat, wherever they sleep, wherever they play or pray are good spots to set up and build relationships and create a pipeline for yourself. I love that. That's a really great little mantra to keep in mind as you're looking to kind of build your pipeline. Yeah. Um, sleep play, pray, right? I just, I want to make sure we got those four. <laughs> Eat, sleep, play, pray. Mm -hmm. It could be a book. I feel like it's right it there. Is. Yeah, Jimmy. right? Like, <laughs> you got it. I love it. New book by um, Jimmy Feliciano coming out. <laughs> this is actually really just a plug for his book. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Ready next yeah, I'm, I'm getting cool already. It's it's just hanging out with ladies. <laughs> See, it's rubbing off. It's working. Um, so one of the things I actually, we were going to talk about during our conversation, you kind of touched on it right away. So we'll jump into it is you said part of that goal setting and that strategy is really getting in with the community. And so you talked about those four things to keep in mind. Are there other ways that you advise or recommend for brokers to really get involved in their community and kind of build those networks and those relationships? Yeah, I think about it in three prongs, if you will. The first is your grassroots or community engagement and relationships. So eat, play, pray, sleep. Where are seniors? How can I get there? How can, can I get in front of them? Then I think about the strategy for engagement, right? So it's not just setting up a tabletop. It's not just getting in front of them, but how do I take that conversation from hello to a home appointment or even an enrollment, right? That Having that strategy is really, really critical. Mm -hmm. The other aspect you want to build are your referral sources. So think with me, um, some of the major buckets where you're going to get referrals from are providers. How do you develop and build those relationships effectively? Community influencers that work with seniors every single day. How do you build those relationships so that they funnel prospects to you? In addition to that, you want to think a little outside the box, right? So you want to think through, how can I get in front of realtors that work with seniors, that understand the senior markets, that are involved in senior communities? How can I even connect with other insurance agents? Maybe they do PNC insurance. Maybe they do ACA insurance, life insurance. Which one of those agents are working with seniors? How can I connect and build those relationships so that they become a source for referral. So you really want to build your referral game as you're building your community game as well. In addition to that, you want to work with your members. You don't just want to sell them and, and uh, disappear. 
You want to right. follow up with them. You want to meet with them. You want to help them actually use their benefits. The more they use their benefits, right, their supplemental benefits, some of the extras that they get from the health plans, the, the better you help them actually in engaging through that process, the higher the retention. And, and the possibility is that you're going to get a lot of referrals from them as well. I prefer, and I tell agents and encourage them all the time, hey, versus calling your member come January, why don't you set up a home appointment with them? Mm -hmm. Go into the home, make sure that they see your face again, that they remember you, you build that relationship. And I promise there, there's a whole stream of referrals that come from that avenue as well. Can I, um, I'm going to, I'm going to jump in. I, sorry, Stephanie. I, uh, <laughs> I know I went away from your questions there, but um, I, I think that's really good advice, especially for the referral piece. And, you know, as we're coming towards, you know, the close of AEP, this is going to be an important part as we lead into that January timeframe to not only build those relationships now, but I think even just every year, right. Or more throughout the year, just visiting those members, even those members that, maybe we enrolled last AEP that are, um, that are, that are still members with us continuing to, to keep that uh, relationship with them. Um, you talk about the community partners and, uh, and, and, you know, doing events, but also, you know, getting um, those relationships there. What I think one of the toughest pieces is actually getting your foot in the door with a community partner. Maybe they already have brokers they work with. Maybe they already have agents they work with. So what would be like some things that would maybe entice a community partner to want to work with you? Yeah, no, Laura, that's a great question. A lot of times agents make the mistake of, of going in and asking, 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 hey, can you give me referrals? Or hey, can I get in front of your, your senior? So on and so forth. Actually, the that's the wrong approach, right? The right approach is to go in and ask questions and do a needs analysis. Hey, I'm Jimmy and I work within the healthcare industry. I'd love to learn a little bit about your pain points here as you serve your community. What are some of the things that you need? What are some of the opportunities? What are some of the resources that if you had them could help you serve your community better? By better understanding your community partners and influencers, you can be a resource. And really that's the first step in any sales, right? Learning to be a resource, learning to be helpful. And if you learn how to do that extremely well before you know it, that opens the door and, and you'll find all sorts of opportunities to grow your business. I love that. And I think one thing too, even with that, I had um, a sales leader once tell me when I was a sales agent, you know, even do your research ahead of time before going in there, right? Like Facebook stalk them um, or, <laughs> you know, look them up on LinkedIn or even just Google the business. Um yeah. And so, you know, I really took that to heart and thought that that was super important as well. So even though I wouldn't go in just saying like, hey, I know all this information about you because that's creepy. Um, <laughs> you know, you start with those questions, but you might have an idea of what are some of the things that they might say. Yeah, a good example of that, Laura, is uh, one of the community partners might say, hey, my seniors are struggling with uh, community identity theft or something like mm -hmm. that, right? If you can provide resources to help educate and to help facilitate understanding on how to avoid theft, right? You can you can uh, plug yourself in as a resource to help that community, those groups of, of folks there. That opens the door for Medicare Advantage and, and all the sales that you'll need um, through that process. So yeah, be a resource, be a help, be, a, be of assistance. Don't go in with your pitch and your features and your benefits. No one wants to hear your benefits, right? No one wants to hear the features of your plan. They really want to hear how you can help and what value you provide. If you open the door that way, that opens the door to present your insurance products. 
I love and that. Truly, I think, sorry, I just said that. You're good. Like Go for it. Too, right? You were talking about like real estate agents, but also like there's fall prevention programs out there. There are, you know, uh, theft identity programs for, for individuals out there. There's cell phone programs out there. Um, so there's all those programs. I think that goes along with networking, right? And not always just looking at, okay, can I get a sale from this relationship? But how could this relationship with this community partner help other communities as well um, is really what you're saying there, right? Yeah, yeah. Be a resource, be a connection. Sometimes it's just connecting people together. Hey, I can't help you with that need that you have, but I know someone that can help you with that. Making that connection, again, you're being a resource in that process. That opens all sorts of doors. That's a really great point. Sorry, Stephanie, I know you want to ask questions after that. No, you're good. I was just going to say it truly is the foundation of any relationship, right? And that's what sales comes down to is establishing that relationship and being a trusted partner. And a big piece of that is listening and hearing. So I, I love all of that advice. It's really relevant. So thanks, Jimmy. Yeah, no, I appreciate the opportunity to, to share that for sure. Yeah. And I'm also curious, we've got other questions to go through, but just from your personal experience, like Laura said, you've got a teenager amount of years in the space. What? <laughs> He's got what? a teenager too. <laughs> and you have a teenager as well. So you look at all of these connections. Um, what have you done that has worked really well from your experience that has kind of created some momentum in your past? That's a, that's a great question, Stephanie. Every market and situation is different. So you have to be sensitive to the dynamics within your market. I can tell you that in Orlando, Florida, provider marketing is a critical way to grow your business. When I first started the business, I plugged into those provider relationships. I did a needs analysis. I understood what their pain points were, what their joys were, what the opportunities were made myself a resource in those relationships. Before I knew it, I was getting referrals from all sorts of providers who wanted to do business with me because I walked into the organization and into the conversation asking how I could help versus asking for business, but it led to getting a lot of great business. So that's in Orlando, but when I moved to Louisville, Kentucky, I was in Louisville for about three years and, um, while I was there, the provider relationships, the provider dynamic there is very different from Orlando. So I had to approach that completely differently. There I did about 20 to 30 tabletops a month. Um, so just really got heavy, heavy into the grassroots side of things. And when I set up those tabletops, I had a plan for how I was going to engage prospects or get prospects to come to my table so I could say, hello, right? which was super critical. So an example of that, I would set up at a food pantry. They were providing food to assist families within the community. I would provide things like detergent and soap and other items that the food pantry wasn't providing. And I had the food pantry folks send all of the folks that entered to me and say, hey, if you want a detergent, if you want soap, if you want additional items that we don't provide, go speak to the gentleman at the table. I would take those opportunities and go from hello to setting up a home appointment. I asked them questions to learn about their pain points as well. One thing I've learned, Stephanie, is that in sales, you don't start by highlighting your benefits. That's actually not the way to be effective at this. You start by asking questions. 
I tell sales agents all the time, if you start by selling benefits, it's like shooting a dart in a dark room. It's really, really hard to hit the target. If you start by asking questions, it's like turning on the light and understanding what the target is and where the target is so that you can actually aim for it, right? Um, so I would do that. And uh, I was averaging my last year as a sales agent in Kentucky, about 20 to 30 sales a month during lock-in. Um, so I was absolutely crushing it with that approach. So again, every market, every situation is different. You have to assess what works in a particular market and then invest your energy and time there and have a strategy, not only for the events, but for the engagement part of it as well. I'm going to put you on the spot real quick, Jimmy. May I ask what a couple of the questions were that you would ask to kind of open that conversation? You are yeah. in my head, Laura. That's exactly. <laughs> I'm like, I know we talked about like, what are some of the challenges? I'm like, let's get some tangible questions that these brokers can leverage. Yeah, no, I, I love it. It's simple questions, right? Um, I try to avoid as much as possible yes and no questions and, and try to focus on questions where we would actually have a conversation. So I asked them, hey, so tell me a little bit about your current Medicare Advantage plan. Tell me how things are going, right? Or tell me what you love about it, right? Some basic needs analysis questions, basic things that sometimes we overlook and uh, just engage them in that conversation, try to hear from them what were the main things that they were interested in? What were the main things they were struggling with? What were the main things that, that really made them excited about their health plan and their provider so that I can uh, pitch my product in the way that seemed best to fit with those situations? I love that you start with, you know, tell me things that you like about your health plan. I think we want, we want people to be excited about the fact that they have that health plan and that coverage. And we don't want to look like we're just coming in to go for that kill. Right. Um, and so I think if we come in with that initial, like, tell me what excited you about that health plan when you first got it or what you really like about it um, can help us in saying, great, we, you know what, you know, those are things that either we have to, or we can have comparable. The, the other thing I did, Laura, was track the results of my question. I tell people all the time that when it comes to marketing and sales, it's 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 an art, right? How you phrase and how you say certain things can have an impact on the results. But I also tell them it's a science. You wanna be able to track your results from those conversations, questions, those presentations to figure out what works best. So I would actually keep track of, hey, when I asked this question, it led to these results. When I asked this way, it led to these results. And I would eliminate, obviously, the, the, the questions and the comments and the approach that really didn't drive the results I was looking for. And I would implement even more the ones that did. So, so there's an art form of it. Go into it thinking about how you're actually going to say things, how you're going to present your questions, track those results and make adjustments as necessary so you can get the best out of it. I like that. It's almost like, you know, the science of, okay, I have a hypothesis. If I try it this way, um, yes. I might get a different result. Right. And then you actually test it and then you come back. I feel like I'm back in science class again. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. And I, as you were talking, Jimmy, you know, you were clearly just a wealth of information, a wealth of knowledge. And as we look at potentially brokers who are newer into the space or maybe new in a new market, um, are there resources that brokers can leverage that they can kind of glean some insight and information and kind of networks that they can support and utilize as they're kind of going about this process as well? 
Yeah, Stephanie, I, I think that's a great plug for broker managers, right? So if you're a new broker in a new market or you're just new to the industry and you're trying to figure out what works in this market, well, what's the best way for me to grow my business? I'd connect with the broker managers from the health plans locally to try to get a really good assessment of the situation so that you can you know, thoughtfully approach your market and make the investments of time and money and energy and all of that in the right places. So you're off to the, the fastest start possible. Um, some of these health plans also have community outreach specialists. I know we do here at Devoted and they're masters of their community. They understand those communities. Sometimes they have events and opportunities already working in the system, right? Already working in the day-to-day -day of what's happening in the market. So why not plug into those folks, find out what they're doing and how they're doing it and ask them if they could plug you in and give you some tips on actually how to run those events and those situations in a successful way. Quick plug for where the broker managers are listed is I was on our say. agent portal where you do your contracting and certification. So right where you certified with us, if you look on the left side, there's a button that says support. Click on that support button and you'll find the list of our broker managers by market. Thanks, Laura. That was just teed it up. I didn't even plan that. You I guys know. Are listening. We did not plan this at all. It just like worked itself out. I was like, I'm going to take that one. I'm going to, I'm going to take that and run. <laughs> <laughs> keep going on that one. Um, okay. So I know we're, we're trying to keep these fairly short so that they're consumable. Um, Jimmy, if we could kind of boil this down into a few things that we want to make sure that these brokers walk away with, obviously I think the eat, sleep, pray and play is crucial for kind of getting to know those prospects where they are all day, every day. Um, what other things do you want these brokers to walk away with today as really great insights as they're continuing to sell an AEP? Yeah, look, it's this is a great career. You can help so many people and make a great living. Um, you know, I think the most critical part of all of this is to network, build relationship. It really is a relationship business at the end of the day. So we've talked about those relationships, right? With community partners, with realtors, with other insurance agents and, and so on and so forth. There are so many relationships locally. You really want to plug into those relationships and understand again, what they need, what their situation is, what are the pain points? What are the opportunities that you can be a resource to them for? Again, sometimes it's not in your wheelhouse and it means connecting them with another name. They're going to remember that, by the way, right, that you were helpful in connecting them to some solution that they needed for a pain point that they have. So build those relationships, be visible, be in the community, you know, be where seniors are at. So uh, making that plug again. And I always tell people assess when you go to a facility or a place, assess it based upon two, two things. One is this dynamic foot traffic. Am I seeing a lot of different people pass through if you are? The chances are higher you're going to meet new people every day. You're going to have new leads every day and appointments and all of that. Or is it more of a static situation? For instance, if you go to a community center and they have yoga every every week, it's probably going to be the same people every week. It's more of a static situation. So great to be there as well. I would just spend less time in those locations. Be there, be present, be available, build those relationships, but don't spend all of your time there. I would spend most of my time in places where there's dynamic traffic, where you have the opportunity to see new people every single day that you can speak to and ask questions to and learn about so that you can figure out how you can provide solutions to their needs.
Love it. Laura, anything that you would tag in before we do the random or the round of random questions? No, I just think that's really helpful and, you know, really great advice because, uh, you know, I do think there are some areas where people come in and, um, you know, it is the same group and it's good because you, once they see you a couple of times, they'll get used to you and they'll probably, you know, come approach you more, but, um, definitely you want that different traffic too. So I love that advice. That's so awesome. random question. Oh, and by the way, going back to random question, how do you feel about the fact that I have a Christmas, um, drinking cup right now? I'm here like, for it. How's, that, how's that make you feel? It feels very, um, warm <laughs> and cheery inside. Laura. Oh, okay. It doesn't feel like I'm sh- overshadowing your birthday, right? <laughs> um, no, not yet. However, if we do a podcast on my birthday, I'm going to require you to not have a Christmas mug. Only a birthday cup. Only a birthday cup on that day. Yeah. Well, you got to tell us your birthday now. When When is that? <laughs> it's, <laughs> make, a, make a quick note. December 15th is my birthday. Awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. That's right around the corner. I know, right? Right around the corner. Big 40th this year, you guys. What? Four decades. That's an amazing, amazing milestone. Yeah, good stuff, good stuff. Well, I don't know but... where we're partying yet, but you better tell me soon. <laughs> <laughs> book that flight. Yeah, I got to book it now. Uh, <laughs> but enough about me, you guys. This is time for rapid questions. Jimmy, you made it through the gauntlet of the questions that we asked you that were sales related. These are not sales related. These are questions you can't get wrong. So I'm in trouble. Be ready because <laughs> they're fun. Um, the first one: What's the latest show that you've binged? Latest show I'm binging. Um, there, there's one called Found. I don't know if you know about that one. It's I think on Peacock. I, I forget. It's uh, it's about a person that helps to find folks that have gotten lost. Oh, I heard um, about ooh. this. You heard did, about that one? Did Fred turn you on to this? No, no. I discovered it one day just kind of, you know, looking for a show to binge. He was trying and, to get me to watch it. And I was like, I can't. I was like, that is way too, like, close to home. Like, that is, you know, because there's kids in it and stuff. Yeah. Ah, it seems really there, rough. There you gotta look but it there, up, but... There's happy endings in each, you know, there's good endings in each uh, in each story. So it's it's positive okay. at the end. It's, it's really All right. Good. Well, that's good. Uh, he, like, Fred was really trying to force me to watch that. And I was like... <laughs> I'm going to, um, I said, Keith, you're on this. <laughs> well, you know, Keith has been telling me about suits. He says that I need to watch that one. Have you guys watched that? Oh, so good. Yeah. So good. And for yeah. reference, Keith is a friend and also Laura's husband. So for those who are listening and are like, who are these people? Yeah. That's who those people are. And um, Fred's a broker manager. So Fred's a broker manager. <laughs> um, but yeah. suits is good. I just finished that one up uh, a couple weeks ago. Yeah, Keith, nice. Keith finished it. I would like, I would hop in at bits and pieces. I'm not very good. Like once it's past season, like two or three, I'm like, uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna move on to the next thing. <laughs> I'm with you. It gets, it gets boring if, uh, if it's not a great show. Yeah. Yeah. I'm watching the 100. Have you guys watched that one yet? No. I feel like I'm a little behind in watching it. Okay, what good. Well, you guys are behind too. So go see it. It's the like, I don't know, something about space and then they come to Earth and yeah. Oh. And there was like a lot of radiation. What platform? Yeah. It's a good one. Give it a Where try. Do we watch it? Is that oh, Netflix? Netflix. Is Netflix. That on Netflix. Okay. Yeah. Great. Who doesn't have Netflix? <laughs> Everybody has Netflix. 
Um, okay, one more question because I know we're like over the allotted time that we were originally planning. We are rolling up on Thanksgiving, you guys. That's next week, which just seems so crazy. So what is something that you're grateful for? We used to get together with like my entire family for Thanksgiving and my aunt would ask this every year and we would all be like, oh my God. But as I've gotten older, I love this question. I think it's so great. And I ask my kids every day when we go to the school, I'm like, what are you grateful for today? And they're like, oh, mom. I'm like, yeah, it's great, great tradition to pass on. So floor is yours, Jimmy. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a great question. I'm very grateful for my family. Context, I grew up as an only child and didn't really have all of the comforts that, you know, my kids have today. So uh, just very thankful to have a wife. I have four boys, Stephanie, and all of them are amazing. Uh, they are full of energy. They love to eat a lot, by the way. Um, <laughs> and uh, they give our home a lot of joy. So very grateful to be a dad, a husband, and, and to have a fantastic family. I love that. Aww. That's so wonderful. Laura, Crazy. do you have anything? I'd go with the family route too. You know, it's hard to say you're not thankful for your family. Like yeah. I'm same. I'm thankful for our family and children and all the craziness that they bring to our, our lives on a daily basis. <laughs> for sure. The activities, the experiences, the memories, all the good things, all the good things. There we go. I think on that, that's a solid note to end on today, friends. It is. Oh, but we got to end actually really where we have to end is with a dance. Party. More dancing. More dancing. <laughs> Hold on. That was one piece of feedback I received that our dance would be better. Oh, I'll move it up a little. Thanks, everyone. Have a great Thanksgiving, everybody. We'll see you on the next one. Bye.